Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm here with Andrew today. We're going to be talking about Minority Report as we first discuss our top 10 Spielberg films and then give our thoughts on this Tom Cruise mindbender. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. Bacon Ranch, Chicken Bacon Ranch, and you know Rachel's looking through it, and then she's like, "Yes, they are." Can you see that little tiny sliver of chicken that they put on the very bottom? They did put chicken on your sandwich, but I mean, dude, it was like Pretty took terrible. up a tenth of the sandwich. Jeez. You know, if if that. <clears throat> Jeez. All right, um, I like doing these top ten lists. Do you? Yeah. It feels like you. But know. I just kind of well, it's just because you know my lists sometimes change. You know, and it might go back to how I originally had it. It changes again. Then it might go back, and you know, and that's it's kind fine. Of one of those and there's different ways you can write it, right? Like, like you could have a top ten list of the top best. You know, yeah. that would be have to be a objective list, or you could have your top favorite of my favorite movies, or the top ten what I'll go to most. I mean, this is how I wrote mine. I wrote mine in the order of where uh, of how i'd want to watch it like i would watch this one but if i had a list of movies here you have to pick one of these this is what i'd watch this before i'd watch that i'd watch this before that I, so that's kind of i can't like, see your monitor because you're pointing at things no i know I but I, I i shut I up um <laughs> no but that's how i do it and that's how i did it in shut order up. is is in the order that i would want to watch them if i had to watch all of his movies um just in in what's what's best for me it doesn't mean that because i have a lot of his i mean some of his greatest movies are not even yeah. on the list because I wouldn't go straight to him. You know, I like to have fun when I'm watching movies, so I'm not going to put on Schindler's List to have a good time, you know? Yeah, because that's a hard movie to watch, but at the same time, you just... You, the endings, one of those endings where, like, you do feel good about it, but at yeah. the same time, you're still like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And it's all, I think for me, it's all about preference. Yeah, there are things that I... Got the drag races going on. Is that outside. your side? Yeah. Is that your side? Yeah, he yeah. took off. In his four by four. Yeah, he took off. Mm. Uh so there are things that uh that are obviously better than than others in this list that are higher. Um but uh I I just wrote it in the list that I would watch it, just having fun. My first six switch. All the time. Yeah, and that, that's probably me, too. Depending on my mood. But, like, I think when I was writing this, is like, okay, if I had to watch a Steven Spielberg movie right now, which one would I put on? That was what was numbered one. Me, too. Okay, after that, I have to watch another one. Out of all of them I could watch, which one would it be? That's the one I put on set number two. And I went down like that. All right, let's get into this. What's your number ten? Uh... I didn't know you wanted to go back that way. Yeah, let's go. Okay. We're going to go backwards. I don't like We that. always go backwards. Okay. My number 10 is going to be E.T. Oh, okay. What makes it your number 10? What makes it on the list and not off the list? It's on the list more for... Um, nostalgia, maybe? Nostalgia, more than anything. But plus, you know, I mean, it's it for its time. It was it was a great concept. It was oh, a yeah. great movie. So many other movies copied it right after it came out. You know what I mean? Mac and me, you know, and we talked about that too. But it wasn't just Mac and me that did it. You know, I was oh, looking no. through it. There is tons of shows that copied the same Shows script. and movies. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's just mainly nostalgia. Yeah, I you know, and the score. You know, there, there's not only so many different iconic scenes and everything, but I think John Williams won an Oscar for yeah. it. I mean, it's just quite an amazing movie. At number 10, I have Hook. 
Yeah. And I have that on there for the same reason that you have uh, E.T., and that's more for nostalgia. Um, I watched that a lot when I was younger. We had it recorded on a VHS tape. I don't know if you remember because, you know, since we were poor, we used to, you know, the one great thing we had was HBO, and we only had it for a certain amount of time. But when we had it, we recorded a bunch of movies onto the VHS from HBO. So don't tell. Uh, the... No, it's fine. We didn't redistribute. Remember, you see those FBI things all the time that come yeah, up. Yeah, but on you it? can't redistribute it. You can't copy it for purposes of I know. making People money. Were, everybody was doing. Yeah. It. So, uh, anyways, we used to um, record those movies, and Hook always came right after Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And it actually cut, you know, Batman Returns, it pans up and you see Catwoman stand back up and that's how it ended. See, I loved it when it we had VHS because, you know, you could fit about three movies, I think. What was it? Right? Three two, to five. Two, yeah. Depending on. Uh, on the VHS and we had so many of them that none of them were in any kind of category. Nope. That's why you'd have Hook so, right after Batman right, Returns. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we, we could easily just... And it was kind of a lot more pleasant, more surprising, you know, like if you didn't know exactly what was on the movie, <laughs> you put it in there, you, you know, finish the one movie. You have a mystery day. The, yeah. You're like, what's oh, on there? I didn't look. We're just going to watch whatever's time. on here. I got some time. Hit rewind I'm, I'm and gonna, play it to I'm the gonna end. I'm going to sit down right here and continue to watch movie number two, probably where the love of movies came from. But Maybe. again, it was so nice because again, none of them, it wasn't like Batman one, two and three. Because you put like, on a movie, then you'd forget what was after it. And then like. We never timed it perfectly, or we always cut out credits. Yeah. yeah. So you'd start recording right when the movie ends, but sometimes you cut off the ending, which Batman Returns did that. So you'd just be watching it, waiting for that end, and then suddenly some other credits would be starting for another yeah. movie, and you're like, what is this? And it starts playing, and you're like, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. It's a you pleasant just surprise. Watching. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have to, that anymore. Well, I mean, you, you have, have so much selection on Netflix and everything. Yeah, but, but. What, what I'm saying is usually those kind of have somewhat to do with what yeah, it this should be random. previously. But it should not only be random, but there should be things that you like that are part of your right, movie right. watching but experience. But this is like so much harder now, you know, because I'm like, you know, let's see, okay, this movie is not on this network, so I got to go to this streaming service. So I, I've got like 50 different streaming services. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, there's so many choices. There's, oh, well, let's go to Netflix. Oh, no, so you did all that one. Hulu, uh, I don't know. I know. All it's these, overwhelming. It's, it's so hard to pick a movie now where... Back then, again, you slapped it in that VHS and you just go with it. Everybody else would just watch a movie, but for us, it's like we want to know what it's about before we start watching yeah. it. Like, yeah. I think, you know, we got probably a lot more riskier people that like to kind of jump off the edge and just go watch something. Yeah. Uh, I like Hook. Obviously, Robin Williams, uh, him and Steven Spielberg, you know, and even Julia Roberts, they, you know, they captured something magical in that movie. Dustin Hoffman, obviously. Um, it's you know so they, weird. Julia Roberts. It's such a weird Peter Pan movie, yeah. but it's so good. You know why they made her a fairy? Because mm-hmm. if she was in real life, she literally would be taller than Dustin Hoffman. All and, of them. And Robin Williams, Robin Williams is short, too. And all the kids yeah. and everybody. I mean, she would tower over them. She's And she's not even, like, freakishly tall. Yeah. She's just average, a little above average, maybe, or maybe just out on average. But all the actors in that movie are just she so short. She was a good Tinkerbell. She was. Yeah. I, I really, I was a big fan. You yeah. Know? Uh, what's your number nine? Hook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, we, we can just skip, on from skip right on to your probably, number nine. Probably the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Ready Player One is my number nine. Really? That's not even on my list. It's not? Have you? When's the last time you watched it? I watched it one time, what, like a couple months ago? Were you paying attention ago? to it? Enough, but I, I, I don't like, like, okay, Paranormal Activities, you know, where it's like videotaped, like it's it's like that, you know, the, the way that's filmed, you know, like 
because when you're in the world because you have like the camera shots yeah like, you look at the avatar yeah and everything. I, I don't like that yeah but i mean it's one thing it's like you know like a really kind of dystopian future or whatever you know but it's i mean it just brings back all the greats from people that are our age it brings back all those greats you know you you have things like you're throwing a chucky doll at somebody you know you have the iron giant yeah you know you have the halo characters you have um you know uh goro somebody turns into goro from uh, mortal, mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah. i mean you just have not only video games but everything from pop culture in this world and I, I don't know. I, I found myself going, how did they get permission to use all of this stuff? Because it's not all owned by the one studio. It can't be. You never know. They're all owned by either Coca-Cola or Pepsi. <laughs> one or the other owns or each Disney. one. Or Disney. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's I, it's a really fun movie. I'd like to talk about it one time, but I want you to watch it again to see if you actually... I'm not saying I hate it. I'm not it. saying I hate it. It just didn't make my list. You know, it's not, yeah. not even really a, an honorable mention for me. So, um, all right, what's uh, what's your number eight? Number eight would have to be Saving Private Ryan. Our lists are somewhat close. You know, we yeah. have. It's interesting because our other lists were kind of close too, to where we can kind of seven to six, we could talk about it or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Saving Private Ryan is your number eight. Yeah. All right, so what makes it your number eight? It's a phenomenal movie. It's just, again, you know, Spielberg has a way of making movies that, it, it, exceptional movies, great direction. He, he brings in the greatest team when it comes to sound and picture and camera work and actors and story and, and everything. His overall vision. It, it's just, it he makes them so it's very realistic to the point where they're so real that it's just kind of hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying with all these, because like probably the first six my on my list, one through six, is not like this. You know what I mean? But some of his movies are very hard. Like even AI, at the end, it didn't really have a very pleasant ending. You know what I mean? It, it did, but it didn't. And then same thing with, you know, with um, Saving Private Ryan. It, it, they accomplished a mission, but everybody died but Private Ryan. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, things like that. It just was... It, it's such he does such a good job at storytelling, but he does make some, very hard to watch some of his movies. Yeah, he's got unique visuals. Yes, uh, with the unique story, and uh, there's not a lot of fluff in it. Yeah, it's all about driving the story forward, and there's always something fantastical. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the last episode. Something fantastical about his world. Like we even said to the point where, you know, whether you're talking about aliens or yeah. robots or even Nazis, you know, yeah. something you, that's not every day or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but he does it in a way where you can't help. I don't want to say fun because I know there's certain movies you can't have fun with, but um, you you almost have like an excitement to get to the next scene. You know, yeah. he has that good lead ins and, and I don't know. It's hard to explain. No. But. And when, when I say it makes he makes him hard to watch, it doesn't mean that he's doing anything wrong. I'm meaning that it makes it hard to watch where it's like so it realistic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's so realistic that you're just like on the edge of your seat and you feel like this is real life kind of situation. But it's it's a hard topic. Yeah. It's, it's really a hard topic to to kind of be okay had, with. Nobody you know? had done such a brutal and realistic and heart-pumping scene as that opening scene. The greatest, uh, I'm sorry, but the greatest war movie, in my opinion. Greatest ever. war movie or greatest war scene, that beginning scene? 
Good because remember that whole scene is what like 15 minutes or so yeah and then the rest of it is kind of a lot of walking i mean you got yeah. fighting and stuff along the way but then, but but then you then you see like lord of the ring <laughs> and then you see band of brothers you know what i'm saying and and that was done by spielberg right i think he was my tom hanks. Been a producer i know tom hanks is a producer on it um but uh spielberg might have been a producer as I well think i'm so. not sure i think you might be right but uh you I, know i, think I mean they did the pacific together those as well. are like some of the greatest war depictions okay i've never been there so you know i mean we have relatives that have been there right but you know i, I feel like it was the greatest war depictions you know in either of those those pictures you know the same private ryan and then you know the uh band of brothers you know i thought yeah. it was probably the greatest thing you know it's 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 definitely these two this movie and this that tv show was the thing that really kind of got me so interested in learning about world war ii and things like that you know i mean our grandfather was in world war ii but band of brothers you know, was big on that too because it, it got me interested yeah you know what i mean it got me really into the point where i really wanted to know about this war yeah i liked i like i don't i'm not a huge fan of war movies yeah um I just, you know, I, I appreciate them for what they are and everything like that. But I don't know. I, there's something that I, I, I guess I just don't like. I mean, because, you know, you know a lot of the outcomes of yeah. what a lot of it's going to be. But <clears throat> um, Angie showed me the uh, Band of Brothers. And then, yeah, I really got into that one. Yeah. But I was in Alaska and had nothing else to do. So that could Yeah, it's mine. definitely a binge-worthy show. I mean, yeah. but it's just a long binge. That's like a five-day weekend. Binge. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's that's and it's heavy because and I like all the stories from the real life people too. Yeah, like before yeah. and after the episodes yeah. or whatever, it's really cool. Uh, my number eight is Catch Me If You Can, huh. uh, which is what we're gonna do to, uh, not tomorrow next, next week. episode. Yeah, next episode. Um, we're gonna do Catch Me If You Can, uh, another Tom Hanks and Spielberg collaboration, um, and. He likes himself some Hanks. Was this their first collaboration, or I can't remember if uh, Saving Private Ryan came out first. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan came out in '98. Okay, so catch me if you can. Two o two, two thousand two. I mean, oh okay. Two o two, two o two. Catch me if you can. Not only has Spielberg, but it has Tom Hanks and it has Leonardo DiCaprio and it has Christopher Walken. Alicia, I mean, a Leonardo DiCaprio, but he was phenomenal. Yeah, and it has so many different like kind of cameos, like right. You got like the Grey's and well, I mean, we can get into it when we yeah. do the episode. But I mean, <laughs> calm down. Yeah, the, catch me if you can. Is such a good story because um, you know I, uh, somebody who's uh, like a forger, a criminal. When you get into you know you you have your main character as a criminal, you're always intrigued because. You're not uh, the typical or average person isn't part of the criminal life. And so they've never heard of these things or they don't know how it goes or, you know, they may have heard stories here or there, but they don't exactly know how it works. So it's fascinating to see how criminals do this in like uh, in a medium where you don't have to feel like you're just watching somebody do wrong. Like you almost feel like it's the good guy, even though, you know, they're doing the wrong, bad things and everything. Um they're a good person or whatever and so you know you want them to do well and you're looking at all these schemes you're doing you just want them to get away with it i don't know uh i I really enjoyed that the cat and mouse between leonardo DiCaprio and tom hanks character i think that it's steven or uh uh, catch me if ken looked different than all of spielberg's movies it felt different than spielberg probably because it was a true story maybe that had a lot to do with it really yeah 
So, anyways, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, saving or uh, catch me if you can, but we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, what's your number seven? Schindler's List. Schindler's also List. Also one of the greatest movies of all time. So that you, is, know, you know what's funny about this though? This is very high up on my, higher up on my list as number seven. Mm-hmm. But if I were to rate my favorite movie, it's weird how my list works because if I were to rate my favorite movie, Schindler's List would probably be a lot lower than maybe five of those top five Spielberg movies. Does that make sense? So how when I say I wrote my list like the order that I would watch it, how did you write your list? That's that's what I'm talking about. If I'm going to watch just 10 Spielberg movies, this is the order I'd watch them. But Schindler's List is further or higher up in my list of favorite movies of all time, if that makes sense. Okay. Then, then some of my top five, uh, you know, uh, Spielberg movies. Gotcha. Um, and uh, you know we 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 talked about it a bit and everything and all the good and the bad about it. It's I do like how it's it's even the way it's filmed. It's not just that it's black and white, but the audio in it it makes it seem like it was a movie that was made back in the forties, yeah. like during the time that this was going on and everything. Yeah, so it's almost like a real account and everything because even the audio was a little a little. Um, it wasn't as heavy as it usually is, like, you know, when the audio wasn't as good back in the day. I don't know. But, and the acting we just get from Liam Neeson, though, on this movie. Not only Liam Neeson, but and, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, Voldemort, man. I mean, he he, he was just... And, and there was no liking his character. Like, I did not like his character at all. But he... You loved how you hated him. I loved how I hated him and the fact that, you know, this is a somewhat of a true story. I, you know, I know, I know, you know, Schindler was true and all that other stuff. I don't know about that guard that Ray I think Fox it is because they got all the accounts from the surviving members. Well, then he he just this was an evil human being. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and I love the movie and everything else, but it's often talked Ray about, Fiennes and 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 Liam Neeson some of the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, it's often talked about one of the most shocking uh, scenes in, in cinema history mm-hmm. is is uh, I forgot his name in the movie, but you know him just picking off people out in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people that stand out to him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the scene with the girl with the red coat and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But, all um, the color in the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is Saving Private Ryan. So okay. that was your number eight. We, we you know, we're pretty close there. What's your number six? My number six is probably going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, you didn't actually write it down. You're just kind of off the No, cuff. no, no, because the way I want to switch it, because, again, I said six... My top six w- would move around. Yeah, so uh, we're we're on six, right? Yeah. Okay. It, I mean, we're 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 still pretty close. Yeah. Raiders uh, of Lost Ark definitely. With my, I'll just I, say right now, that's my number five. Yeah. So I mean, the fact that that shows how close we are in, in our yeah. interests and our likes. But yeah, I have that as number five. Uh, uh, what what did you like not like about Raiders? And why is now? Let me ask you this: without you saying what the title is, do you have another Indiana Jones movie above that? Oh yeah. Okay, so why Raiders above any of the other Indiana Jones movies without talking about the ones that you have up higher? I don't like the heroine in it. The the Shia LaBeouf's mom in from, Raiders, yeah, uh, Joan Allen, uh, not, not Joan Allen. No. Oh my gosh, Karen Allen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't I didn't like her the way her. I mean, you know, uh, Harrison Ford does good with very strong women roles. You know, he feeds off that very well. Yeah. You know, like even on, you know, Star Wars and things like that, you know, he does really well. 
I don't feel like like she was tough, you know, but it was just it, it seemed like it was a stretch for her and it just it put me off about about her that movie. That's why it's lower on the list than the other one. But do you prefer her over Steven Spielberg's future wife, Kate Capshaw in Temple? Because she is the most annoying thing. It, just in that role, I'm I think she's funny. Bad about her, I don't look at her Maybe like being, funny, being like a lot she's not of people a, like a she's... knockout or yeah. or you know bad acting. But she's she's a she's annoying. But I think she's funny. She too. was the I, funny damsel that yes. that was just not yeah. into the situation they were right, in the whole right, movie. Right. right? Yeah, one of those characters. Whereas Karen Allen was more of a take charge type of person, right? More willing to do this or that. I mean, she still need. You know, she did. I think she did a lot more in the Crystal Skull movie, but yeah. Um, yeah, I see that. I mean, Raiders is great. I, there's a, I do have an Indiana Jones movie that's higher than Raiders, but I mean, that's, I mean, we, that first scene with, you know, him using the whip and, and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And he turns around and comes out of the shadow and you see Indiana Jones, you see Harrison Ford as this, you know, tough grizzled archeologist. And then you see him get back and he's a professor, you know, it's just so cool. Yeah. Such a cool character. Yeah. And like we said, you know, precursor to so many things, but yeah, that ending is weird. <clears throat> Raiders, and th- this is this is one of those uh, pop culture things. But uh, if you look at it, Indiana Jones is one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of those movies that I don't think people realize this until later that Indiana Jones had no effect on the plot. Yeah. Oh, I know. Absolutely no effect I've, on the plot. I've seen that theory too, and then I looked into it, and I yeah. was like, "Holy cow!" Because if he hadn't ever gotten involved. They would have eventually found the staff. They would have eventually found where it is. I don't know. And Unless they would they have eventually taken it. out in the desert and opened it and all died. Yeah. Now, they did say, like, one of the things that did happen was we were able to recover the ark. Which we see in put Crystal it in Skull. storage. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyways, interesting. In- interesting that we both have that movie a little bit lower. Uh, what's your number five? Number five would have... Oh, I'm sorry. I got to go over my number six. Oh, yeah. My number six is The Lost World. Now, I know that this is this is not a, a favorite Jurassic Park movie to a lot of people, but I really enjoy it. I, I it's I think it's fun. I think the dinosaur in San Francisco or whatever... Was that San, or was that San Diego? Maybe it was San Diego. San Diego, yeah. I don't know. Whatever, whichever. The dinosaur in the city is fun. You know, they're probably going to do a lot better job of it in this new Jurassic World movie that's coming out, where now the dinosaurs have kind of been populating the land and everything. But it was cool to see a dinosaur in real world. You know, take off the island. Let's see how other regular people react to dinosaurs. And you're talking about, like, okay, you're talking about Jurassic Park 2, right? Lost World Jurassic Park, yeah. Yeah, and I mean... Ian Malcolm's got to be one of the best characters yeah. from from Jurassic Park. Oh, absolutely! And, and now With the most the personality, character. you know. Now it he does work better as a side character. He doesn't he doesn't work as well being the putting the movie on his shoulders and everything because yeah. then he has to be the straight guy. Yeah, and he he works better as the color guy, you know. So he needs to be on the side and everything, which is why it's definitely not as good as the first one. But um, I don't know. I just I just like the Lost World. I like I like. Um, you know uh all the, the the different character actors that are in it that for some reason their names are escaping me right now um i you know the 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 it was kind of more gritty and and you know um oh, what do you want to call it like uh uh 
I don't know. Not not so commercialized. It was like a gritty uh, 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 type of Jurassic Park movie where there was no park. It was it was them kind of uh, just you know rounding up animals on this wild uh, island. You know, no, you know, at least the first one it had gates and it had everything in order and everything. And this was more wild or whatever. And then you had the T Rex scenes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So. Um, I think they tried. I think they probably relied too heavily on the T Rexes in this movie, don't you think? Yeah, but I kind of feel like the T Rex is r- the real hero of of most of these movies. I mean, except for the newer ones that are coming out, it's all about the the raptors and stuff like that. But you know, in the original Jurassic Parks, I think they were all like the the T Rex was the star. You know? Yeah, I would, I would, I would slightly alter that by saying the. Uh, the Raptors got a lot of importance put on him because the main guy, Alan Grant, was a special, you know, specialized in Raptors yeah. and everything. So they talked a lot about that. Uh, T Rex was just kind of one of those things that just popped in. It needs to pop up every once in a while. It just as kind of the big daddy of them all. Because everybody Whereas, loves like, the T Rex. Yeah, like the real threat is the Raptors because yeah. they'll, they're, they're, you know, they'll come after you and everything. But you know, T Rex can't really get inside of a building. Yeah. Goats and, have gotten away from the T Rex. Goats have gotten away. What's your number five? Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull? I don't even have Crystal Skull on mine. I chose Crystal Skull because it's got Shia LaBeouf in it, and Shia LaBeouf just seems like... He's a great actor. He's a great actor. It's Mm -hmm. just he's... When he's not yell acting. Yes. There you go. I'm the boss! But it was just... And the fact that you... (laughs) The fact that you bring in Harrison Ford at his age now, you know, still cracking that whip, still swinging from here to there... You know, still still riding around in uh, in refrigerators. You know, when they test uh, bombs. I was worried that his age would interfere with him playing a good Han Solo and a good Indiana Jones again. I think he did great coming in both, back to it. In both, yeah, he did a great job. The problem with Crystal Skull is just some of the issues it had. Like as far as you know, you got the nuke the fridge, which is the equivalent of jump the shark. Now you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the ridiculous scene of him getting in the fridge and surviving a nuclear explosion. However that happened. And you got people going, oh, now I know where to go. And you see, you know, if we ever had any kind of, God forbid, anything like that happen they don't again make fridges like that anymore. Lifetime, people going in their kitchen and pulling food out. Th- so they those were fit. lead-lined fridges. I know. So. And, but, I mean, even a lead-lined fridge, that thing is going to be absolutely destroyed. Yeah. So... Anyways, um, there's a lot of weird things about that. I think it was a little bit too much CGI. I liked it. Um, they, I know they, they're like, oh, I mean, an alien Indiana concept Jones movie too, with, you know? with, with CGI, and it's like oh, a little bit too much, you know, Shia LaBeouf swinging like monkeys. It was just a little <laughs> too kind of much. He was scared shitless. I'm sorry. I, know, I don't like to he, say bad words, but, but you he saw was scared him, out of and his fun, mind. suddenly he got a, a routine like he was Tarzan <laughs> swinging was through hilarious. this jungle, and he had monkeys following him. But it was more it was funny was than so... anything. It was such slapstick, but it it kind of brings you back to that that age, you know, that and the, the ants that built towers out of themselves. <laughs> I'm sure they do that, but it was just weird. Yeah. Uh, let's move along. Uh, we're already like we're 45 get to minutes five. in, bro. Um, okay, so your number five was what? Crystal Skull. Okay. Uh, my number five was Raiders, which we already talked about. Um, what was your number four? Number four, probably, again, it's the same ones. I'd have to say Temple of Doom. Mm, okay. Number four. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of people um, don't like that one just because it's so different than the others and so dark and all that. And it also is the only one 
that has the title stylized as it does, where it's like looks like it does on the cover. All the other Indiana Jones are just simple print that says, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and all that. Um, and it was so much darker. Such a such a I don't know. You know, that was a dark kids movie. You know, Indiana Jones was supposed yeah, to be kids movies. ripping hearts out of chests and stuff like that. You know, not kids movies, but yeah, yeah, kid friendly. Doctor Jones. I don't know if we're allowed to do that. You say that every time I do that. <laughs> I just don't know if we're allowed I'm to do that. I'm literally repeating the movie. I know. You could just say, Dr. Jones. But you don't have to go, Dr. Jones. <laughs> you know how I'm sure Harrison Ford does it all the time. He probably wakes up every morning. Harrison Ford doesn't care about, you know, they, they ask him, you know, oh, if you blah, 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 this about Star Wars, he's like, I don't even know what any of that is. So uh, my number four is Catch Me If You Can. I thought you said that. I did. Already. I did. That, oh no, no. That's where I had. Um, that's where I had E. Same. We're not running. I'm sorry. List no. Down. That's <laughs> no, no, no. I had it, and then I moved it. I moved. Catch me if you can down, and that's why because of E. T. So, anyways, my number four is is E. T. That's okay. why I had that there. <laughs> I don't know why I switched that Good around or whatever. Good cover, but up, brother. Your number four was um, Kingdom. So, mm-hmm. what's your number three? Uh, my number three probably would be Lost World, Jurassic Park Two. Okay, my number three is Jaws, and you know we've we've talked about that. Um, Jaws would have been a lot lower, maybe not even on the list a while ago. But as I've looked at movies, you a little bit better. Sharknado, you realize <laughs> that Sharknado was better than Jaws? No, I just I well, ever since we started this journey, and we, you and I, have been really digging into uh, what's behind everything instead of just being simple popcorn eaters. I've had a lot more appreciation for certain movies. So, yeah, I did watch Jaws and had a lot more fun with that. We were going to review that this month, but as we said, our friends over at the Horde and Heels already did that, and so we feel we're going to leave we've done, our we've done American History X. I was thinking about that now, the other day. No, and I was actually just watching a video on that the other day. We but. should do one on that one because that's a phenomenal movie. Well, not only is the movie, is the movie phenomenal, but this, have you heard the whole story behind it? I've done that one before. Have you heard the whole story behind it with Edward Norton and his mm-hmm. problems with the director and stuff? No. We'll get to it. Okay. See, well, th- there we go. Oh, that's yeah. a good, more, more of a reason. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's it's more Edward Norton's movie than the director. Yeah. Which then that makes him a phenomenal writer as well. Well, it, what <laughs> happened, it all happened in the editing. It's uh, all about the editing and the editing. I will talk more about okay. that. But um, yeah, I have Jaws. It's a great movie. It's great for suspense. It's very simple, but um, in all of its characters, Robert Shaw, um, uh, 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 what's his name, <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss, yeah, uh, and uh, dude plays Martin Brody. You know, they all did a great job. Um, what's your number two? Jurassic Park. Your number two is Jurassic Park. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I mean, you can guess what. My number one is. Well, it's probably what I'm about to say my number two is, but we could probably talk about these interchangeably. My number two is Last Crusade. Yeah, that's my number one. So your number one is Last Crusade, and your number two is Jurassic Park. The re- that I shows have- us. Mine is My number one is Jurassic Park, and my number two is Last Crusade. But that, remember I was saying that you know, they kind of interchange. It depends on if I'm in a Jurassic Park-type mood or you know if, if I'm in a uh, Indiana Jones. But the thing is, is there's a story with Last Crusade. It's one of the first movies I can remember actually watching and really taking in and really because what it was is I was in Cub Scouts, you know, when when we lived up in Maine. I remember this, actually. I was up in Cub Scouts and we had a Cub Scout meeting and 
And then everybody pizza. like stayed the night real late, yes, right? Yes. I remember this because I was there with you. Yeah. I wasn't actually in the scouts, but yeah. dad had brought me along too. And they were like, oh, Indiana Jones. I'm like, I don't want to watch that stupid movie because I'd yeah. never seen it before. Yeah. But it's really like, I remember eating pizza and, you know, doing the Cub Scout thing. But we, we sat there and watched that movie. And it was really the first movie I can remember watching and taking in. Yeah. You know, really, really. And then, you know, wanting to be Indiana Jones at the same time. You know what yeah. I mean? And again, it shows my age, but, you know. With the awesome portrayal of young Indiana Jones oh, by man. River Phoenix. Uh, man, I mean, even that was great. I mean, yeah. he, I really, you really believed it. And then having Sean Connery. You know, that was my real, you know. Junior. I, I do remember watching Highlander, which, which I think actually came out. What? When, when did Highlander come out? Uh, 80s, before right? Last Crusade came out, it was yeah, quite a so, bit ago. So I remember watching Highlander, but I think I may have watched it after I watched Indiana Jones because there's some stuff in Highlander that probably a four or five year old shouldn't watch. So I'm pretty sure I did watch that after Last Crusade. But you know, I really got you get your first interaction as a kid that age in the 80s. You know, your first interaction with Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, I mean Harrison Ford. As kids, we we all knew him from Star Wars as Han Solo, you know, and and I as a kid wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I didn't want to be Han Solo, you know, and so it it, it just you had Han Solo, but then you had you know um, brain fart um, Sean Connery. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you and, mean Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you had Harrison Ford and, and Sean Connery, and that was my first interaction with uh, Sean Connery, and it was like. He was the awesome grandpa or something, you know what I mean? Like, like the, because he was so slick with it. Even though he was an old and he played kind of a nerdy, nerdy person in this, you know. But they're both womanizers, you know. Indiana Jones was a womanizer, and so was Sean Connery. Sean Connery is one of the probably the most famous for it, being a womanizer, you know, from James Bond films and things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not saying that he was like that personally, but a lot of his characters are like that. It, it was it was good because it's the most it, it's the most personal about Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. Even more so than the ones with him and his romantic interests. Right. You know, are the ones where is, is the one where he, you know, reconnects with his dad, who has yeah. always been absent. Whether, you know, he's presently there but mentally absent or actually yeah. absent on, like, these digs, these hunts. Yeah. You know, he always wanted to be like his dad in, in the archaeology and research aspect. But, but not in he the religious to, aspect. But he either. wanted to be like, yeah, that too. But he wanted to be like that other dude with the yeah. fedora, you know. Yeah. And that was really cool he, in he, the adventurer part of yeah, it. Yeah, and see, his dad was that person. You know, he was that adventurer, not as heavily as... as Harrison Ford was. I mean, he he's not the fighter or not the yeah. gunslinger, none of that. You know, but he 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 got his brain. It's kind of like two different parents. You know, he got his brains from his dad, and then he got his his um. What could, how, how would you describe his character as being like a who kind of like Which a one? uh swa a swashbuckler? Oh, you know, uh, uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. You know, so he got his brains from them, but he got his his swashbuckling side from. I always saw him as from, an archaeologist first, and an adventurer swashbuckler. Not because last. when we open up and, and finally why would he be teaching. Yeah, but when like we it. finally and, and see, we're going to do these movies. You already promised me. We yeah, would. we will. Um, but you know, he, the way he was was like you open up to him going through. You know being the swashbuckling side of it you don't open up to him to that's why real, it's so real cool because then you go watch him back go be in his real job and you f see that 
whether he's out he there. He hates or, it, though. But at, whether he's out there or whether he's in the classroom, he loves the history about it, the archaeology about it, the finding stuff, and it belongs in a museum, you know, that type of thing. See, this episode is going to be good when we finally do Andy Jones because I think we look at that character totally opposite ways because, you Probably. know, for me, I look at him like, you know, he goes to these schools because he has to. No, I'm not saying way. he likes being yeah, at the school yeah. teaching. Like he but would he rather like, be swinging from a whip, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, do we? Does uh, you know? I, I guess me and you. You're saying he likes the adventure of it. I'm saying he likes the history yeah. and the uh, the historic historical right, right, right. archaeology of it. Um, as far as Jurassic Park goes, look, man. Every time I heard, hear hear somebody it, yeah. says say the name Steven Spielberg, when I hear oh, yeah. that name. The thing that pops in my head is the T-Rex coming out of the cage, is the the title of Jurassic Park and that, that logo that it had with the skeleton T-Rex in it and everything. Yeah. Anytime I think of Spielberg, that flashes, and well, then and I'll the think music. of something else, and I'll think of some of his other movies, whatever. But it's always that flash first. For me, Jurassic Park is Steven Spielberg. And let, let, let's here's an intro into actually the movie we're doing today in this episode. Um, but... You know, when you hear that music, bum, bum, nothing bum, like bum, it in the entire planet. And I guarantee you, almost everybody on this planet could tell you what that music oh, does. Same thing with Star Wars, it, Superman, any John Williams. Yes. You know? And this is why, going from, from our list, because we're, we're done with our list, right? Yeah, and I was about to say, what's the one movie that wasn't on either of our list or Minority the honorable mentions? Minority Report. Exactly. But here's the thing. Going into this movie, which is why we're talking about our yeah. list more than we're talking <laughs> yeah. about minority. But anyways, going into this movie, you know when you know you, you start out in the movie and it, it's just kind of slow moving. It's done a little bit of history. You're seeing the the climax of the movie at the very beginning. Right. You know, you're seeing you're seeing what's and, and that's why I didn't like the beginning of this movie. It was extremely confusing because remember they started out with doing flashes from. From the Division. ultimate vision and the ultimate murder from which, what's murder. her name? From what's her name's murder? Abigail or from Abigail's mom? Yeah. So, um, is it Abigail or is it no? It's uh, oh, Augusta or Augusta. <laughs> what is her name? The precog. The precog is uh, Agatha. 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 I knew it started with yeah, an A. I just had it in front of me. You get the, I, we'll I, get the Augusta. I brain farted as well. Yeah. But anything. Anyways, you know. You, you get seeing this vision at first, and I think it's extremely confusing because, like, if you don't know what's going to happen, I mean, if this is the first time you're watching this movie, you're like, wait, wait, let me rewind it. You know, it's kind of like that movie we were trying to watch yesterday. We had to keep on rewinding it because it was just... We couldn't really keep, yeah, we couldn't keep up with it. The very well, beginning. it was dark, too. Yeah. It was light inside the room, so we couldn't but, see anything. But, you know, this movie, at first you start out, you're like, wait, 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 I got to rewind it because I got to see what are they showing us something is this part of the movie it's very confusing because you know they don't get any kind of context yeah. with that very beginning of the film and so you're you're kind of wondering and then it pops up to you know him uh that the couple you know the the first uh murder that we witness or pre-murder we witness uh -huh. you know it starts out with a couple you know they're kind of lovey-dovey the wife's kind of kind of seems off anyways you know like she's trying to rush them out of the house you know and and you you open up to this scene and and you're coming from these flash scenes and you, it's just kind of gets confusing at there at first but maybe if you saw the trailer or the premise for the movie it would make more sense watching it but yeah coming right off 
Say you didn't know anything about the movie. You just saw something that said Minority Report with Tom Cruise. You don't know it's in the the future or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'd be confusing, but I think that's supposed to be, you know, I mean, that's every movie. You got you to gotta jump in at some point. Okay, let me intro this real quick. Minority Report is a film came out in 2002. It's directed by Steven Spielberg, <laughs> uh, written by Scott Frank and uh, John Cohen. Um, who did uh, uh, basically an, an adaptation uh, because this was a uh, Philip K. Dick story. Uh, Philip K. Dick also, uh, obviously, his his stories were turned into movies like Blade Runner, Total Recall, uh, Minority Report. Uh, the Total Recall was done twice. Uh, Minority Report, Scar- uh, Scanner Darkly, Adjustment Bureau, um, and then you know, Man in the High Castle was done as well. So very prolific scientific uh, or science fiction writer. Um, it stars. Um, Tom Cruise as Chief John Anderton. It also stars Colin Farrell as Danny Whitwer, Samantha Morton as Agatha, Max, Max von Sydow as, uh, as the director of pre-crime, Lamar Burgess. Um, it also stars... Such a good actor, by the way. He is a very good actor. It also stars Steve Harris, Neil McDonough, also a great actor from Justified. Yeah. Um, those are all the main players that you'll see in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this movie... Um, very interesting visuals in it um when they were first making the movie um you know steven spielberg he wanted uh the screenwriter to write the story as if it was today let's not worry about technology and everything because so so many movies can get bogged down with trying to explain technology or show technology that when you get to the story there's no real story or it doesn't have good substance and everything so um Anyways, uh, he told the st- screenwriter to write the story, so you know, as if it was today. So you know, a phone call, someone picks up the phone, not like a futuristic phone or whatever. You know, if somebody needs to get in the car, the story, to the script should say, this person gets in the car and drives away. You know, that's how it should be. And then once they got the story nailed down, then they can start messing with the technology. So it was a cool approach. Um, I believe they um, they bleached the negatives of the film in this. Um, to give it that washed color where it was yeah you know it looks real rough it looks real bright and Gritty, harsh yeah. and gray yeah. and everything so you you know you got all these elements that are creating a very real feeling world you know it feels like it's only maybe you know 10 years in the future you know put aside the psychics it's kind of like a man in the high castle kind of the way they film that one is the same kind of it's kind of more looked like a dystopian type uh, future yeah, you and know? you have certain vehicles that are probably like maglev type yeah. things that go up up the sides of buildings yeah. and car parks and everything, and you know, so yeah, and then you got readers, little scanners that read uh, things either for advertisement to personalize your advertisements or to track you if you get on if like when he gets on a train, yeah, and everything. So, um, you know, all that stuff is believable that it could happen in the next ten years or so. So you know, scary is what it is. It is, but I mean, it's always been like that. Like I, I could believe that has happened ten years from now. Back in two thousand two, and then you know, two thousand twelve, you're like, oh, I could believe that could happen ten years from now. So it puts it in a way where no matter when you watch it, until at least we get beyond that technology that's in the movie, if we ever do, um, you know, it puts it in a frame where where we could see this really happening. So it are yeah. it's happening in the future, but you're there. Your your suspension of disbelief is gone. You know, you you believe that you could be in this world, that this world can happen. Now you have to get over the whole precogs and uh, the, the you know the people that can see the future. 
but you know it's 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 a really good world that he set up it's it's you feel like it's lived in yeah right you got so many futuristic movies you're like yeah this just looks like a movie set or something but this looks like a very gritty uh, lived in world um it's based on the premise that there's basically these three precogs uh or precognizant people who can perceive future events um their minds are red and um they're somehow the technology spits out a wooden ball with the names it's from a theory though it's a from a theory of uh, a future writer uh when when because what spielberg did is he got a lot of these uh future prediction scientists or what have you yeah and i read something about it i don't know the full story i probably should have uh, wrote this down but it has to do with uh the billiard balls and predicting you know there's no real prediction of i guess prediction of where the ball is going to go or something like that i don't know there's some weird theory. I mean, I, I should have really wrote it down. But is it like I, chaos theory? Like when Jeff Goldblum of, but, was but, talking in Jurassic Park, you don't know where the water is going to go? But it, Yeah, yeah, kind of. But it's it, it like Exactly. And and it has a kind of thing with the balls, you know, uh, with the... Uh, <laughs> anyways, like billiard balls or something like that, you know, or I don't know. There's some theory behind it, but um, yeah. So, and then, you know, both these different wooden balls i can't believe this ball so many times <laughs> that same um, much. but these two wooden round objects right um one one the first one comes out and says the basically the victim and then the uh the second one comes out and it's the accused basically it's the person that is actually going to commit right. the crime and we don't and, know how they extrapolate that yeah. from visions but yeah and then you get different they have different colors of these round objects and these you know Brown and, brown and red. Right, right. And then if you get a red one, it means murder. It's it's basically a murder. I thought they were all murder, but red is the ones that aren't premeditated. They're the ones that are more urgent. Okay, maybe that was it. Yeah, because I think when they, they're like, oh, we got a red ball, which means, and I think he even told the guy when it's red, that means that they're urgent, they're um, not premeditated. These are crimes of passion, different things. Yeah, so that's They right. have to be more urgent about that's solving right. the case. Yeah. At least, at least you know that's how I saw it or whatever. But um, this movie, uh, it's 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 really interesting, um, and it's got some great visuals and everything. But there's nothing that makes this movie really stand out. Um, I guess from other a lot of other sci fi's like like um, AI or even um, um, iRobot. Yeah, I mean the car scenes it were pretty good. It reminds me a lot of iRobot. Yeah, actually. I mean it does, and and you know the car scenes were really good. Um, the jetpack scenes weren't phenomenal. They were I mean, a rough because you know you could tell that they kept it a lot of the times they were in alleys, right? Yeah, you know, so when they and you're doing kind of close ups with these jetpacks, they were in small secluded areas, so you know that there was wire work there going on, yeah. you know, behind the scenes. So they didn't really. You know, it wasn't like phenomenal type stuff, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, even with switching out the eyes situation, they didn't really get into full showing it. Not that I wanted to see it, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things where they cut it short. You could tell on, on a lot of stuff instead of maybe they didn't want to put a ton of CGI in to make it look um, like maybe even a possibility. Yeah, I the think they were worried somehow. about being overwhelmed with CGI. Yeah. This is 2002. This is when like Attack of the Clones was coming out. Yeah. 
you know, his best friend George Lucas was getting panned for all the CGI he was putting in yeah. his movies. So there could have been some of that to it. You know, it could have been a thing in are Hollywood. They, like, hey, so they are besties. A lot of, oh yeah, Steven Spielberg and okay. I mean he uh, uh, Lucas is friends with like Coppola and Spielberg and all the you know. Um, uh, uh, Scorsese, all you know, all these people that came up like in California as like film students together, yeah. and uh, and went on. But yes, yeah, Spielberg and 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 Lucas have been friends for. Like, yeah, I knew they were since the they were friends. I think they stayed at each other's houses and stuff when they were yeah. younger. I mean, like when they were college students and stuff. But um, yeah, this movie, uh, it's it's got a lot of um, a lot of themes that you have to break down a lot of. Th- a lot of things that cross and and you know it, it's hard to find a point in this movie yeah and, and and it seems like they open up a lot of possible side side stories in a way you know what i mean like they don't fully get into the details of of our main characters in the film you know like where did colin farrell come from you know like what what was he he is, did. is he a famous is he a famous you know investigator is he uh has he brought down some big names? I mean, they, he just kind of pops on the screen. Tom Cruise, yeah, he lost his son, but it didn't even really go into the details of, you know, where he could possibly be or well, where he ended up. Yeah. You know, but and and just the precogs, you didn't really get to find out any kind of real backstories like on the Weasley brothers, you know, Fred and George. Um, you didn't really get any kind of detail or even the crazy plant lady talking about the department of minister or the ministry of magic. Oh, I thought that's why they could see no. the future. They came from Harry right. Potter. Right. No, or no, it was it, um, Oh, what did Trelawney used to do? I can't remember. <laughs> but no, I mean, Danny Whitwer, who was played by Colin Farrell, he was from the department of justice. He did say he was there and they audit pre-crime because, yeah. you know, as department of justice, you're making arrests and putting away people forever. You well, know, and it's still not sure a permanent program. It's still oversight. a trial, and may, maybe he this was the last step towards. Yeah, because it was just DC. It, it yeah. was just DC that it was happening, and they wanted to go nationwide and everything. Yeah. But, um, but you know what I mean. There, there's a lot of characters and a lot of possible stories, but they kind of really just kind of were vague about everything. I mean, even the guy that he arrested and ended up switching out his eyes. You know, he there was a story there as well like it just kind of left some some open stories there i felt like you know and that was the only thing there wasn't really any kind of depth to it you know yeah i think the movie places all its focus and attention uh, at least the main story on pre-crime and whether it works or not but they set up so many different things that yeah aren't really followed through that's what i'm talking about as much as i would like them to be you know and everything i mean obviously there's certain things that are left hanging for a reason but I just felt like certain things were introduced or or brought in there, like the you know, mean, like the themes of uh, fate versus free will. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not really. It feels like that that's what the movies should be about or it is about, but they don't really talk about it. It's almost like they put up this theory. Like, what do you think? You know, they had the conversation between Colin Farrell and yeah. Tom Cruise's character. Well, how do you know? How do you know that was going to happen? Why did you catch the ball? Well, because it was going to fall. How do you know it was going to fall? So yeah. you know this whole thing of pre predeterminism and all that kind of stuff and and it proposes that and then it switches should pre-crime be a you know a a functioning thing you know does it work and everything well and and that's that's kind of like with with colin farrell's character like he just kind of flip-flopped there i noticed you know because i mean he came in basically like pretty much calling it a bunch of hot garbage 
but because his rival or some guy that's uh, higher up on the food chain, I guess you could say, with Tom Cruise's character, he didn't like him off the bat. But you he didn't I mean? think it was garbage. If you remember, he got in the time. He goes, "I agree. The system is perfect." He goes. That means that the only flaw in the system has to be human. Yeah. So he was looking for, his job is to look for flaws. Yeah. And he knows that in anything, you're going to have a flaw. When he looked at the system, okay, what about the balls? What about this? What about that? He got them to answer all his questions. And after he answered the answer to questions, he told Tom Cruise, he's like, you know, I agree. The system is perfect and everything. The only, the that means that if there's a flaw, it has to be human. And that's when he... He sees something, and I don't know how he sees something in Tom Cruise, maybe just from his history of what happened with yeah. his son, but he knows that someone's – it got. It felt like to me that he wanted the job. Well, no, that's what he was saying. I mean, that he pretty much – you know, like when he went into uh, What's-His-Face's office when, you know, Tom Cruise's character was like uh, Miss – what is it, uh, Mr. Anderton? <laughs> Mr. Anderton. Yeah. Mr. Um, Anderson. Yeah, but – and I got that mixed up. That's what I was thinking with Matrix. I was like, it is Mr. Anderson. I was like, where am I getting Mr. Anderson from? Anyways, yeah. uh, but, you know, he just seemed like he didn't believe it. You Like, you know, he was challenging. He was questioning it. I mean, I mean, I know he said it was perfect. It's a very weird but, character, but Danny. A, yeah, and then, and then he ends up using it to try to capture Tom Cruise. Right, and then saying stuff like, I'm going to enjoy working here. Like, he's going to take over and everything. Yeah. But then, at the end, he then started to believe Tom Cruise's yeah. character, and then was like, "Well, maybe." Then, like, it looked like he was trying to find the truth out, and he was a style. jerk. Like, like you couldn't tell when he was being a jerk or he was just being. Well, know, he was being a good jerk at his job, but, but yeah, he had something against Anderton because he thought Anderton was guilty. Because yeah. obviously, remember, he had said the system is perfect. Yeah, so which has got to be the person. So if the system is saying. Anderson's going to kill somebody then he's so I, I think it's, that's one of the things like Danny Witt where he he was shown it and he believed in the pre-crime but then he never got to see that there was flaws in the system yeah and and it was just really weird because you know pretty much was showing that it's not a perfect system you know that that there are so many different possibilities you know like with there's not just one that the movie was trying to explain this but that it wasn't just one outcome yeah, there were several different outcomes. It's just that's the outcome that that precog decided to to rest upon. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's the one they saw. But they they were trying to point that there's so many different kind of outcomes. But it was also I think the movie was also trying to push a lot of what we're seeing nowadays. I won't get any more into that. But the fact that you know you got some of your civil liberties that there's a very fine line there you know what i mean like how can you arrest somebody if they haven't done anything yet right right but then at the same time why wouldn't you arrest somebody i mean i'm not saying i agree with this but why would you arrest somebody You're posing the question yeah yeah and and it, it just for me just like saying you know i mean you're taking away all their freedoms just like he, he went into his house or his apartment or whatever and found these drugs which again it was another story that we didn't know anything about we yeah didn't know it's like this. okay let's make the main character an addict so he's yeah. an addict he's a drug addict but it doesn't really do like it i mean I guess that's what wit were used to start investigating him he found that he broke into his house but i mean that's what he used to start investigating him but it was like that had nothing to do, you know. It gave him connections to the underworld to find new eyes or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I, they felt like, I, I felt like they were trying to push an agenda in this film, was saying you know that they were trying to justify that there are some, uh, you know, 
civil liberties that you can change. You know, I'm not agreeing with this, but saying that there are some civil liberties that you can change is for the greater good. You know what I mean? And so, like, their greater good is, you know, preventing a murder from happening. You know, where in all reality, that's that's going against your know, your constitutional rights. Well, at least in this country, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going against your constitutional right. If that cop was found out that he went into this guy's apartment and found that, that cop would have been immediately fired. You yeah. know what I mean? Or or moved somewhere else. And, the, you know, Tom Cruise's character wouldn't have gotten arrested for it necessarily because, I mean, it was he broke into his house to find this evidence. You know what I mean? That's that, what I mean. This is one of, one of the things I put is why the drugs? Why, why was that necessary? Why is that whole plot necessary? I feel like that was a Tom Cruise decision on that one. I don't know. Maybe it's it's very weird. Maybe Tom Cruise like I've never played a drug addict before, and maybe it was in the book. And he's like, let's keep that in the movie and stuff. And I've never find it like uh, it makes it sad because yeah. like you're it's supposed to make you uh, I don't know enlighten you or something like yeah. that. Give you I don't know, but he uses it and he just watches videos of his kid. Yeah, and that was terrible. That was a terrible. Uh, awful part of the movie that I hated, you know, especially with my son. One of my biggest fears is that, you know, he's going to be, you know, swooped up by somebody or whatever. Which in all in all sense of purposes, we never even found out what happened to his That's son. That's what I'm saying. And know? it's never explained in the movie, which adds that extra bit of weight. But it doesn't feel like something like that belongs in a movie like this. Well, and, and Agatha, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, near the end there, if Agatha was really, was she really, you know, because... At that point, when he breaks her out, right, she doesn't know what the real life is. She doesn't know what the real world is. She she even has to ask him, are we right now? Are we here this, right now? Is this right now? Is this right now? You know, so, like, she she hasn't seen anything else like this, but she goes on to tell them a whole vivid story about their son and, you know, how he's you know, going to college and doing this and, you know, growing up to be this, you know, we don't, we don't know. Maybe she's actually seeing the future. Maybe he did get kidnapped and, you know, got misplaced, you know, go, got sent with another family in a different state or something like that. You know, I mean, she's going That's through the, the whole minority story. report. Right. Because the minority report is basically they all have reports and you have the uh, majority report, which is the reports. If you have three, it's got to be the opinion of two. Yeah. And you have the minority report, which is the opinion of the lesser, which would be, in this case, one out of three. Yeah. So minority reports are basically an alternate. Yeah. You got an alternate future. But see, they're basing and, it on uh, only basically three different possibilities. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like they all see the same thing or whatever. I don't even think it's three different possibilities. I just think, you know, they all see future events or whatever, but she just sees it differently somehow. Maybe she can see other timelines or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe it. I don't, I, I'm one of these people. I don't believe that there's multiple timelines. I believe that everything happens supposed to happen. I believe that. Hey, the Flash tells us there's supposed to be multiverses. <laughs> and now Marvel's getting into I know, it too. Right. So it's, I don't know. I, I don't know why they brought the drugs into it. Yeah. Um, I, but to get to your point is, you know, this is something I wrote down, you know, dissent is key in law and order. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, you don't want to be oppressed. You should have your freedom. Yeah. So dissent is key in law and order and encouraged so as to see all the facts and not just those easily evident. Um, you know, if you have dissent in what somebody's saying, it's going to make you say, okay, well, let's relook at this. Let's reexamine it and see all the facts instead of what you're just being told by one party yeah. or whatever. Um, but the, uh, the most important uh, form of dissent in our 
society is innocent until proven guilty my opinion because you know that protects our freedoms um and um with that pre-crime is impossible because there's no evidence of a crime that hasn't been committed yeah because you know they're arresting people for crimes that hasn't been committed do you have to let the crime happen yes it, and it's a terrible way to think about it, but you can't not arrest somebody for something they didn't do. Yeah. Especially when there's, you're not omnipotent, you know, even the precogs are human, you know, there are, there's always a, ch- a chance for error. You know, scientists mm-hmm. will say that, you know, nothing is a hundred percent, you know, yeah. we know the one thing that's 100%, but you know, it's, you know, nothing else in this world is a hundred percent. So that's why this whole pre-crime thing is impossible because there's no evidence of the crime except for what the precogs see. But that's like asking a couple um, non-reliable bystanders of a crime. So pretend you had bystanders of a crime uh, in, in our day and age or whatever, you would interview them. Hey, what did you see and everything? And you take down their accounts. That's what the precogs are. They're just um, bystanders, but they're bystanders of a future of event. You know, they're the only ones that can see it. So they're telling you what they saw, but that doesn't mean that what they saw is true. You know, how many times have we had bystanders see a certain thing, but they didn't see it correctly? Yeah, and they didn't actually commit the crime, even if they said they would. I mean, like, it's funny because you started the episode with Dante, you know, saying that he he wanted to kill them or whatever like that, you know, and it's like, just because you say that doesn't mean necessarily that you want you're gonna kill them but it's again you know that's the way that this precog was taking it you know having this minority report or majority report whatever uh you know that's why they how they were using it because you know even though that that person might have all intents and purposes to want to kill that person but just like tom cruise uh proved at the end of the movie that you can actually make the decision to go against that you know, and so just like with Dante, you know, saying you can do it doesn't mean he wasn't actually going to do it. Yeah. What if we go down Straight to the target and, and something happened back there, right? Something happened down there and there are three bystanders. Two of them saw it one way. One of them saw it the other way. Yeah. Is a detective going to poo-poo what the other one saw just because these two saw something? They would probably no. take more of that and try to investigate. Okay, because now i got two people seeing the same thing. Yeah. But they're not just going to throw away this other thing. And no, because, I mean, just like if me and you were going to go into a Target or to a store like that, you know, and somebody was stealing something, you might catch them doing it. Or you might catch a detail about it because of your line of work or whatever that I wouldn't normally catch. Right. You know what I mean? A little thing right then. So just because you might have caught, you know, I, I saw the same exact thing you did, you're still going to have a lot more detail because of who you are and, and what you're... And you not know, only that, what if we saw it wrong? Yeah. What if you and I saw it and we were like, yeah, yeah, that's how I saw it too. Yeah, it definitely did that. And it didn't happen like that. You yeah. get video camera coverage and actually we were just at a certain angle that we saw the wrong thing. Yeah. You know? That's Bad kind of lighting or whatever. Exactly. That's why precogs can't be trusted because you can say you can have witnesses in a trial, but you need other evidence. Because if you say you see this person, they saw one thing, but you the defense has uh, you know uh, an, a witness that says no, actually it happened this other way. Yeah. You you can't go off of that evidence. Ev- yeah. Evidence is not enough. You Be- know, it's circumstantial. We're only human in the sense that you know like. Our, our minds trick us daily. Yeah. Our minds are constantly... Tri- I mean, when you get de- deja vu, you know, you're, you've are you never experienced this before. It's just a lapse, a reset in your memory, yeah. a quick reset, you know, so you feel like you've experienced this before, 
But I mean, your mind plays tricks on you. Just like if we're walking down the street, we might see two different things because maybe my mind's playing a trick on me and your mind's playing a trick on you with the lighting or whatever. And else, all three know? of them have to come together in their mind yeah. and spit out a report. Right. And the machine reads it a certain way. So if you have three witnesses and they're all talking to each other, yeah. you got one saying, I didn't say it that way. You got the other two saying, yeah, I saw it that way. Did they see it that way? Or are they, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you have to, you have to look at when watching this movie is it's the same thing is those three, just because they can see certain events doesn't mean they're seeing everything. Yeah. And I know that's part of the detective's job or whatever, but what if the images they're seeing didn't actually happen that way? What if they're, it, it got warped in their mind or whatever. They're not seeing it correctly or whatever. Yeah, and if you notice, too, they, they I mean, they did a lot of overkill in this movie as far as how many detectives. I mean, I, again, get it. You send that many to go after um, Anderton, you know. But the guy at the beginning of the movie, you know, that ends up catching his wife, like I was talking about before, you know, ends up catching his wife with this other guy that he saw, you know, out the corner of his eye across the street or right. whatever, you know, um, there really wasn't any detective work there. I mean, you're catching this guy that's probably a kind little bit overweight, like, not athletic. You're going off of witness statements. Right, the precogs right, are right. the witnesses. So right. uh, based on the witness statements, yeah, they were able to find certain things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that was ultimately going to happen. Yeah. And it's proven throughout this movie through minority reports, through what Anderton did, and through ultimately Burgess deciding not to kill Anderton at the end of the movie, decided... We're not doing, you know, uh, uh, how, how do you know that, that that's that's what, you know, actually happened? Because they decided something different for their future. Yeah. So what they saw, what the precog saw, didn't actually happen. Yeah. Which means that their uh, accuracy has to come into question. And you're imprisoning these people for the rest of their lives, putting yeah. them in a comatose state, whether you give them a dream or not. Yeah. You're putting them in the ground until they die. Yeah. These people who may not have done them, may have had different histories. Now, the movie makes a, a, a note about, well, you saw your past and, and any or future, and any future that's seen can then be changed. Yeah. So basically, every time that they're using these precogs to see the future, they shouldn't be incarcerating these people because now they've changed it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I th I just think there's so much kind of wibble wobble about this, and it, there was never a lot of clear, direct um, themes or concepts that were reinforced because they yeah. had so much other. They had the drug addict thing. They had the uh, you know it really irked me that we didn't get to find out what happened to the son, yeah. but I think it's on purpose because we're supposed to feel a bit of what John feels in the grief that he never got to know what happened. Well, it's and, uh, devastating. It, reality in this movie that's inescapable so i think it there was no okay there was obviously a point to it i think it would have been better served in a different movie but it at least gave us some kind of a bit of despair at the end of the movie and that connects us with tom cruise's character a bit more because that's what he feels and never getting to know what happened to his son either and he has you know he, he's got a good ending i mean he really does like i mean because what the precog thought, you know, that he was going to get shot and killed and all that other stuff. And then uh, Agatha uh, saw that or whatever, but, um, it, it, it just, yeah, he ends up, I mean, obviously he, I guess he gets back with his wife. I mean, he doesn't really actually say that for sure. No, it did. Cause remember she got pregnant. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. But he, you know, they still lost the son and it was like, no, 
ending to that you know no real kind of but that's i mean that puts you in hit more of his shoes because you then you're left feeling well that sucks i really that's awful i want to know what happened to him yeah. and it's frustrating that we can't know what happened to him yeah and that's only a minute fraction of what he'd be feeling as a character with his mm-hmm. son um i you know i want to talk about the observer effect it says that uh you know once a pre uh, future event has been observed it can be changed in this movie right mm-hmm um, people, especially Anderton, believe in results, you know, action, punishment, and believe in a measure of control, believing it would have saved his son, right? Yeah. Um, in the moment where he's in Leo Crow's hotel hotel room, you know, it shows his helplessness in the face of, of fate. Um, when he sees all those pictures and his son, he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. He's like, I am going to kill this guy. And he realizes what would make him kill somebody. And as a Even fa- though you're thinking the whole time, you're like, well, I can think of why you would want to kill somebody. And, and so, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, and see, I got, I kind of got that before before they showed. I mean, when you saw that it was a creepy guy. Even though it wasn't real. Yeah, it wasn't real. The I mean, just had I the same idea we did. Yeah, I automatically went there. And, and as a father, you never know what you, you could do at, that, at a moment like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I felt that part in the entire movie more than any other part of the movie you know what i mean i felt that because i was just like i don't know what i i I don't know what i would do in that position i mean you hear about these these fathers doing you know basically you know killing these pedophiles and things like that that you know mess with their children and their daughters especially you know and killing them and then you know not being disappointed in themselves that they went to jail for life or yeah. went to jail for however many years i was reading an article on one one guy he said you know he found out that th- this friend of his daughter's dad or something like that did that and he he went over there shot him in the head served 13 years in prison said i would do it again yeah. in fact they found ended up finding like six other girls that this happened to and he sent um they were sending mail to him in jail thanking him because that that happened to their kids, he yeah. did this guy did this to, Which, to their kids. The post credit podcast wants to state that is not right. Yeah, we don't believe in retaliation. No, no, absolutely, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, as a father, you go, mm-hmm. you know, you you think that's of what I'm all saying with this movie. Things, yeah. yeah, and with his character and what he found, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you don't know. I mean, you feel that because you're like, I don't know what I would do yeah. in that position as well you know i mean to a point you know i mean but it, it just the way they set that up was just so creepy i mean putting him his son into pictures like that it's like how could you bring yourself i mean that old man was truly an evil person i mean in all realities burgess yeah yeah lamar was was a truly evil pe- person to be able to orchestrate this and to throw something like that into a father's face. Well, not only that, but committing the murder and, and copying a, a, yeah. a vision yeah. to commit the murder and everything, which... I mean, you, you know, it's simple. kind of an implying, too, is that, you know, with with the, plant, the crazy plant lady, she was saying that they went through hundreds of kids. And so it's kind of almost thinking, like, maybe he was one of the kids, you know that went through that process well, and that's what uh, i was gonna say at the beginning of this what if one of those precogs was like his kid or something like or that attempted precogs yeah because yeah. they were trying to make I a few of them I, and i wasn't even i was saying like one of the ones with agatha yeah or I mean, like uh, one of his kids or whatever but that's that's an interesting thought too yeah um i just think i think here's my opinion i don't think the precogs are uh, are showing what happens they're showing what could happen yeah, and i think possibilities. that's what the movie shows at the end too but if we're looking at these as um, 
as the same thing as bystanders watching something. It's just that they're seeing it in the future. Um, you know, what was I going to say? Let's see. Uh, the murders, the murders never would have happened. Okay, that's what I that's what I believe. I believe the precogs can only predict intent. Okay. So, uh, somebody who's premeditating, a ball comes out, and you know, there's a version of that future that could have happened, but they're not in that future. They're in their own world, and in their own world, pre-crime has always stopped that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it. This is this is okay. You got the multiverse, right? Yeah. Where they're saying all these different things. You know, Doctor Strange goes in his mind is thinking about all the different things that can happen, but they're in their timeline, right? They're not in all those other multiple timelines that he went through. They're in their timeline. In their timeline, they won. So in this yeah. world, yeah, all these things could have happened. These visions that they're happening and everything, but those were happening in different timelines they're in their timeline and their timeline pre-crime has always stopped them they never committed the murders so none of them should ever be arrested you know just stopping whatever it was so i mean that's what but, but, I, I believe that they they can they can predict intent and then in this timeline it's always stopped well here's where it gets confusing though when she's leading him through the mall and they're getting chased she knows exactly what's going to happen, and the ball and the balloons going in front of them. Because she and can everything. read their intent, and I have here right. that Agatha is better at reading intent. That's why her minority reports. Because yeah. remember, she's the only one that has minority reports. Yeah. The other two always agree. She's the only one that dissents. Yeah, and her, I think hers is more reliable. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's agreeing that these other murders could happen, like these other two are happen, but she's also saying. Um, that, you know, because we never actually saw a minority report. Yeah. You know, remember she said Anderton didn't have one and Burgess never had one. Yeah. Or, or that, you know, her mother never had a minority report. Uh, it was just a staged murder made to yeah. look like something else. So, yeah, I don't, we can get real muddy into this, but, um, maybe I'm not, it's just, it no, no, no. I, I see what you're saying with that. But, but again, like I said, the only thing that kind of throws you through, I mean, it's again, it's going through the, trying to talk about time and, and the way that they put time and you know time travel and things like that you know it's it can be very confusing but i think with with your they're seeing what's happening in their strand of the multiverse right mm-hmm. but but again with there's multiple strains with her you know she's able to see she's kind of living in the present as well as you know kind of in the future i think in a way you know so so she's kind of that's maybe why she's able to see it more correctly than the other two pre-crime will always stop these things from happening because they have right they haven't had a murder so they will always stop these things from happening but they keep getting visions of these things happening yeah but they never happen okay so that's not part of our timeline those are only presuppositions of what could happen but the fact that they have the pre-crime and they have the the oracles or whatever yeah. shows that it won't happen because now they can they can change it. Okay. So I don't know. It's it, therefore they shouldn't be imprisoned. Is my my well opinion. yeah. But yeah. I don't know. It's like I said. This this movie doesn't do a very good job of making the point that it wants to make because okay. yeah, there's all all these things left in question. Yeah where it doesn't kind of give any deciding thing at the end. So maybe it's good. It's good type of movie for discussion because it's so open-ended. There's so many things that it could be, or this, so many things left open and not right. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was wrapped up was who killed Agatha's mom. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally they disbanded pre-crime and 
you know, all the, the precogs and stuff were able to live on their own in a normal secluded place. So they didn't have to see that stuff anymore. But, um, but the only thing that was really wrapped up as far as, I mean, we never got to find out if he kicked the drugs. I mean, yeah, he got with his wife again and they had a kid. So I'm guessing he kicked his drugs and everything, but, uh, I don't know. I just think, I just think that some of the things, you know, that it was asking that one of some of the, the questions that it was asking wasn't explored enough. And the only reason that the, the system didn't go off is because uh, Burgess killed himself instead of killing Tom Cruise. Okay. So, you know, no, I don't know. Nothing was really wrapped up. And, uh, and I guess my last question is, is has to be the most obvious question of the movie is what happens when the precogs die? Do we go back to regular society? No more pre-crime? No, because to me that seems like he's going to just continue to look for future precogs i mean it would be a thing where they like dissect them down to the last cell to figure out how these precogs had these powers and then try to put that into somebody else well but i mean the old lady's the one who was helping create it yeah but there was question on on you know how it worked and for some reason agatha worked right yeah they do they still didn't really understand it but for some reason, Agatha worked. And for some reason, she worked better than the other two, yeah. Arthur and Dashiell. Mm-hmm. So why? Uh, they don't know. But they're about to expand pre-crime nationwide from uh, from D.C. And they don't even have, like, future plans. They, they, they uh, You'd think they'd, they'd at least figure out how to give somebody that power okay. and have reserves. Yeah. Not only reserves, but then backups. Mm-hmm. You know, you so you have reserves if something happens to them. And you know other people to go to places because remember at the end of the movie the three of them moved into some secluded place so they couldn't hear they couldn't see those things anymore so it has to go on distance right and they only see stuff in the dc area so how are they going to take that nationwide yeah because they were saying that every time they fell asleep you know it used to be when they fell asleep they they would see these dreams or these horrific dreams that would come true yeah so you know maybe maybe there's a distance thing yeah so, but I, so, I mean, there's, there's just a lot. I love, I love the movie and I have fun, but to examine it and to see if it makes, there's, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's a lot of things that like, don't make sense like or how, weren't answered. How, how are these three people, how, how is anybody allowed to keep these three people between the dream and awake for their entire life laying in these pools, you know, and basically keep them prisoner? How come nobody's saying anything about that? And is there only one murder happening in D.C. every day or every couple of days? I guess. I'm pretty sure the murder rate in D.C. is a lot higher than that. Well, maybe not after a few years of well, yeah. Okay. You know? So, yeah, that, that makes the book. Because I was just like, they don't seem to be, they they should be overloaded with cases. Because there's literally people that are scared. I mean, that, that bar, bar owner or whatever the heck he was. He was terrified of her, what she would see that he has done or what yeah. he would do. He was terrified of her. And so, you know, you also think you're like, okay, how can they treat him like this? But everybody is terrified but of that's another scene. The thing about the movie is that there's so much bad about this world. They're like, oh, look at what we've done. There's not been a murder in two years or however long it's been. Yet there's still horrible things going on whenever he's hiding in that building and the spider's walking around. You see... You know, these domestic disputes. You see a mother just with these two kids. And, uh, you know, you got the seedy underworld of where John goes to to get his drugs and these these virtual reality things. So you see, you see it hasn't really changed society. Somebody's yeah. so focused on the precogs and the murders that they can prevent that 
nobody's paying attention to any of the rest of it. You know, yeah. I guess we got regular cops for that kind of stuff. And but. these people would be those precogs would be mentally ill at that point. Yeah. You know, and not reading books and and hanging out in and Harry Potter world. Um, you know, and they're where they're hiding out at the end of the movie. It's like they would probably have to be in in padded rooms. Yeah. You know, for as much murder and everything else they saw. So. So I think this is going to be one of those rare times that uh, we can recommend a movie. Yeah. But we recommend it because it's a Steven Spielberg movie and it's fun and he's a great mm-hmm. director. But there's a lot about this movie that's left into question. Some of it that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, some contradictions. It's a good movie to zone out to or not fully, because it, even if you were to sit there and fully pay attention to it, it still wouldn't probably make sense. You know what well, I mean? Well, there's things that contradict or, exactly. or, well, if this is this, then why isn't it? So, you know, this may be one of those movies that our viewers completely shred us for, say, yeah. well, 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 you guys didn't get this, you guys didn't get that. Whatever it is, I we, we wanted to review the movie as part of Spielberg Month because yeah. I enjoy watching it when it's on. Yeah, I enjoy um, Neil McDonough. I think he's great mm-hmm. as a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, Colin Farrell is always great. Yeah, uh, his his back and forth with Tom Cruise is great in this movie because mm-hmm. there's such huge egos and personalities. Yeah. Um, and you know it had a little mystery element and everything, but I mean it's really about the journey and about. Uh, Tom Cruise running a lot and doing crazy action stuff. and Like he always does. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of these fun movies. And, I, you know, maybe the book. It, I, I will talk about the differences in the book and this. Now, in the book, uh, John Anderson was the head of pre-crime. Yeah. He was uh, the head. And uh, I don't think Lamar Burgess was a character in it. Uh, but there was somebody that was pretty close to Leo Crow. His son did uh, go missing, and that's why he was doing this and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he found out, he went on the search to find out why he was going to commit this crime or if somebody's setting him up to commit this crime. Um, in the end, he realized that it was kind of like Tom Cruise's situation in that hotel room. But he went ahead and um, basically, if he didn't commit the murder, um, then... Uh, pre-crime would have been proven as uh, as fallible, and they yeah. would have disbanded it. Um, but he believed in it so much because of what had happened to his son that he did the murder um, just to keep it going and got in prison just to keep it going. Hmm. So that was one of those things. Um, there's also a theory out there that um, the last 10 minutes of the movie is all happening in his head. He's still haloed. Remember, uh, he got yeah. haloed. So the the theory is is that he got haloed, and um, when he was haloed in his little comatose thing, he it was giving him a dream about finding that finding out that Burgess was behind it. He figured it out. He became the hero. Burgess killed himself. He, Another inception. He got to have a happy, nice life with yeah. his wife and a new child. So, I mean, what do you think about that theory? I mean, I think that's just laziness in in yeah. a sense you know what i mean i think it's just uh, i mean that's just that's trying to pull straws that's trying to just, that's a stretch it's one of those things having a theory just to have an alternate ending or yeah. an alternate view of how some of these events went but exactly. i don't think there's any merit to it there's no evidence that that is what was going yeah, on i agree but uh, anyways, um, I would recommend this if you want to have some fun. Um, there are some some contradictions, some certain things that don't make sense in this movie. Hopefully, we talked about certain things that jumped out at us. 
I know this is a much different episode than what we usually do. We didn't break it down like we usually do, but uh, I don't think that we really needed to. We no. really just wanted to get into the, the main things that stuck out to us. So uh, if anybody out there, any listeners want to tell us we're wrong, uh, tell us we missed something, tell us we missed the whole thing entirely, please let us know. We love stuff like that. We love to be able to discuss things like that and if it's something that will help me enjoy the movie a bit more let us know i want to enjoy the movie a bit more because i'll still watch this movie but i don't have as much enjoyment out of others that you know have some really cool plots that make sense yeah that nothing gets doesn't you know just get left out in the open so uh, if you get a chance to watch this uh maybe wait for it to be free to watch i'd say yeah um scientologists don't come after us i don't we do anything wrong <laughs> i promise you that you can live your life however you want to. For our lawyers. For, For our, our lawyers. lawyers. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter. We're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.